Hello again, this is Daniel J. Hogan, and welcome to the Magic of Airy podcast, brought to you by magicofairy.com. In our last episode, Istrio the Blue Heron finished telling Steve and Uncle Shameless how the Hawk King came to power, and told Steve that he must search for the lost sword of Za, the only weapon that can defeat the Hawk King. Istrio told Steve to head east, towards Uth, the last human village, but Steve ignored the Blue Heron's advice and headed west towards Daraga, the City of Flame. There, our heroes saw the enormous wall of fire that protected the city and started making their way to the front entrance, where a Hawken warrior and a Swanton warrior stood watch. And now, the next exciting episode of The Magic of Eri. The Magic of Eri, the podcast, written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan, based on the novel The Magic of Eri by Daniel J. Hogan. To learn more about the novel, please visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. And remember, Harry is spelled E-Y-R-I. Episode number six, The City of Flame. The two guards stood at attention at their post, which was mostly for show since the wall of fire protected the city from nearly any peril, except for one instance involving an overly dedicated cookie sales kid and a catapult. To say the position of gate guard was ceremonial would be a great overstatement. It was the lowest of lowly jobs in Fiak Ra's army. If one were to look at a hierarchy flowchart of positions, the gate guards would be listed several steps below ditch diggers. The short hawkin warrior stretched his wings and clicked his hooked beak. I tell you, Kaz, this is only temporary. I have an idea to get out of this lousy job, the hawkin said to his swanton partner. Kaz rolled his beady swan eyes, growing tired of the conversation that he knew was going to follow. Ramit, you say that every day, but your plan won't work. You say that now, but I'll show you. My idea will make this city better, you'll see. Blindfolds and earplugs? No one will buy them. I don't think they'll help people get a good night's sleep like you say. Remit sighed. A few of the feathers on his head ruffled up. He pushed them back down with a clawed hand before continuing. Look, to get ahead, you have to be an idea person. Big ideas make the world go round. The blindfolds and earplugs will block out all the light and racket from the wall of fire. Everyone round here will be able to get a good night's sleep for the first time since that thing was put up. I'll corner the market on sleep aids in Daraga, retire young, and build a cozy nest on the northern coast. Kaz thought hard for a few moments, which was quite the task since Swantons were not known as great thinkers due to the small brain that rattled around in their cavernous skulls. Uh, the world goes round? Kaz finally said. Remet buried his face into his free hand and decided to change the subject. How are you planning for the future? Well... I was thinking that after my shift, I might go down to Wheezy's House of Pies and maybe get... (sighs) Not that. What do you mean? You know, putting money away, investing. You're no spring swan, you know. You're gonna have to retire eventually. Swantons don't retire. 
They die in battle, Kaz stated proudly. But what happens if you don't die in battle? There haven't been too many battles around here lately. That isn't true. We had a battle last week, remember? I don't think scaring away kids throwing rocks at the wall of fire counts as a battle. But they were big rocks. Face it, my flightless friend. Gate guard duty is a slow death. Kaz sighed knowing the Hawkins spoke the truth. The real action was within the raiding parties that the Hawk King sent out to keep the population of Aerie in line, not in guarding a wall that was magically impervious to attacks. Kaz cracked the knuckles of his large hands and looked at Remit. The answer is yes. Oh, you are going to start bathing more? That's great. No! The swan man yelled, causing his heavy plate mail to rattle. I mean, yes! I've been planning for the future. Excellent! Remnant exclaimed, clapping a free hand to the Swanton Warrior's armored shoulder. I've been keeping part of my pay under my bunk in the barracks, Kaz said proudly. Remnant shook his head. No, no, you have to invest. Make the money work for you. Huh? Remnant turned towards Kaz. You should invest in- Remnant quickly turned and faced down the path. In the distance, he saw two shapes approaching. Even though he had the gift of hawk sight, it did not fare too well in the dark. That ability was granted to the owls. He would have to wait until the shapes moved more into the light cast by the wall of fire to get a better view. What is it? Trespassers! A sinister smile crept across Kaz's bill as he slowly drew his sword from the scabbard on his back. You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast, brought to you by magicofairy.com. Copies of the novel version can be purchased through this website. You can also purchase a PDF download of the entire novel for only $3.75. Visit magicofairy.com for more details. And remember, Harry is spelled E-Y-R-I. No! Let me do the talking, Steve pleaded over and over. Now, now, don't you worry, my boy. I'm quite apt at talking my way in the places. Uncle Shameless patted the boy on the head and walked in front of him. As they walked closer to the gate, the heat from the wall of fire gradually increased. Sweat began rolling down Steve's back. It was not caused by the heat, but rather by his concern about getting into the city. He wanted to go home. Even if these creatures were real, which he still refused to believe, the whole idea of saving this land from a winged tyrant did not really appeal to him. Remet watched as the dark shapes approached. He wondered if they were solicitors. In fact, he hoped they were. The guards had free reign to dispose of solicitors as they saw fit, according to their supervisor, a lazy Hawken officer by the name of Lexa. Finally, the shapes entered the brilliant light put off by the wall of fire. Humans! Remet shouted as he studied the pair. The tall one with shaggy hair started tucking in his tattered shirt, which Remet guessed was a poor attempt to impress them. Kaz held his sword out in front of him. Remet gripped his spear with both clawed hands. Uncle Shameless grabbed Steve's hand and shushed him, showering the boy in cherry-scented spittle. Now just keep quiet and follow my lead, Uncle Shameless said with a wink after taking a quick drink from his wineskin. He gripped Steve's hand tighter and started walking faster. The guards tried their best to look extra menacing, which was not too hard. Learning how to look as mean as possible was a standard part of basic training in Fiak Ra's army. Uncle Shameless and Steve walked right up to the guards and then 
continued right past them, heading towards the large twin doors several yards down the wide hallway. Remit and Kaz gave each other confused looks, wondering why the humans had not stopped. Remit, thanks to his small, agile frame, quickly maneuvered in front of Uncle Shameless and blocked the human's way with his spear. Where do you think you are going, human? Remit asked in his best deep, menacing voice. Uncle Shameless stood up straight, looked the hawk and warrior straight in the eyes, and said with great confidence, Don't you know who I am? This response surprised Remit. A human had never spoken to him in this manner before. When humans did speak to him, it was usually along the lines of, Not in the face! Not in the face! The Hawken wondered if he was supposed to know who these humans were. He didn't remember hearing about any important guests arriving when he had his daily briefing with Lexa prior to the start of his shift. Not that his daily briefing was anything noteworthy anyway. It was more technicality than anything, like telling a wall to hold up a house. Remet clicked his beak and looked past the strangers to Kaz for a sign that perhaps he knew who the humans were. The Swanton shrugged at Remet. No, I don't, the Hawken finally admitted. Uncle Shameless sighed and shook his head. Ugh. Well, I suppose I can let it go this time. Uncle Shameless effortlessly pushed the heavy spear aside, much to Remit's surprise, and continued walking down the hall. This confused Remit and Kaz even more. Just who was this man, they thought to themselves. He was not intimidated by the Hawken or the Swanton at all, which was odd for a human. Remit motioned the Kaz to bring up the rear behind the strangers, and took to the air in the high ceiling of the entryway. Remit landed in front of the strangers with a whoosh of air. I said, HALT, HUMAN! Without even blinking, Uncle Shameless continued his act. Alright, look here, mister... Uncle Shameless said, sounding like someone who had visited a complaint department one too many times. Remit. Look here, mister Remit. I don't even want to be here. Uncle Shameless jabbed Remit's chainmail-covered chest with his index finger to stress the point, although it felt to Remit like he was being punched. But I have to go inside. What is your business inside, human? That is classified. Look, just let me in so I can go and do my business and get out of here. I don't want to say this is a bad city, but I've been thrown out of better places than this dump. Again, Remit foolishly looked to Kaz for a suggestion about what to do. All Kaz did was pantomime cutting the humans' heads off. Even though at this point that would have pleased Remit, something about this situation told him it might not be a good idea. Are you gonna let me in or not? I have things to do, you know, Uncle Shameless stated, never once breaking eye contact with the Hawken warrior. Remit clicked his hooked beak repeatedly, uncertain about what to do next. Uncle Shameless grew impatient and decided to up the ante. Ah, uh, that's it. Let me speak to your supervisor. Steve let out a hushed yelp. Remit's eyes widened in surprise, and Kaz dropped his sword. You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast, a free podcast by Daniel J. Hogan, available at magicofairy.com and through iTunes. The only thing Lexa the Hawken officer liked more than not doing his job was a good night's sleep. 
but such a thing was a rare commodity in Duraga because of the wall of fire was a major nuisance. The noise and light emitted by the wall were such an annoyance that lately it had become a common practice for warriors and officers to purposely disobey orders in hope of getting reassigned to some remote region of Eri far away from the city's fiery walls. Other warriors had went another route, and did their best to get thrown into the dungeons of the castle, Arx Venator. Sadly, these warriors had forgotten that being thrown into the dungeons was the first stop before being thrown into the pit of big nasty things. Lexa, however, was closing in on his goal of getting reassigned. He had been acting poorly for the past few weeks, and only recently had been demoted to supervising the guards of the main gate. The gate guard position was a joke, since the wall of fire kept the city far safer than two lowly guards ever could, especially the pair under his command, Remit and Kaz. Supervising this position was even more of a joke, because there was next to nothing to supervise. Still, to keep up with his plan to be reassigned out of the city, Lexa did his best to do less. Lexa had gone from being a high-ranking advisor in Fiacra's favor to the supervisor of the lowliest position in the city in just over a fortnight, which was a new record. All Lexa needed was one more major failure, and he was free from the noise and the light of the Wall of Fire. Kaz stayed behind to watch the strangers while Remick quickly flew to Lexa's quarters. Lexa lived in a small, square-shaped adobe house that rested on the top of a pole near the castle. Lexa had lived in the castle itself until recently, but with his demotion came a change in living arrangements. The noise and light from the Wall of Fire had been bad enough when he was living high above the city in Ox Venator, but it was considerably worse in his new dwellings. Luck, however, seemed to be on Lexa's side that night as Remit landed outside Lexa's door and knocked sharply. Sir, we, uh, we need you at the gate. We have a situation. Go away, the Hawken officer yelled from the inside. But sir... Lexa flung open the door and stared at Remit. I don't care if it's the Owl Queen back from the dead. I don't want to deal with it. Lexa figured if he ignored the problem, it might just add to his getting reassigned. But sir... Good night, Lexa said as he started to close the door. Sir, two humans are at the gate and demand entrance to the city. Lexa's eyes opened to the size of saucers, and he smiled with inspiration. Lexa clicked his beak and thought to himself that surely Zoo was smiling upon him tonight. The two Hawken warriors took flight and headed towards the gate. Lexa was older than Remit and had white feathers around parts of his head, intermixed with regular brown. Lexa had taken the time to put on his full officer trappings, the traditional Hawken loincloth decorated with Fiacra's emblem and colors, silver shoulder armor, chainmail vests similar to Remit's, and lastly, the long silver wrist guards that identified him as an officer. The winged pair quickly reached the gate and descended upon the strangers and Kaz. Uncle Shameless was in the middle of telling a story to pass the time. And then what happened? The swan man asked, listening intently while leaning on his sword. Well, the boy's dad and me finally show up at his wedding, and my nose is broken. So, so I says... I says, oh, we were just moving a dresser down the stairs, and, you know. Lexa let out a large screech as he landed. Steve had been sitting on the ground, ignoring his uncle's story, but the hawkman's screech made him jump, reminding him of the hawk that he had seen on the Grand River. Lexa approached Uncle Shameless and extended his wings to their full span with a loud flap. 
Lexa towered over Uncle Shameless and looked him over. Lexa was unimpressed, to say the least. He had hoped the humans were burly-looking adventurers, or at least disgustingly cute cookie sales kids. Still, he thought, these humans might help him get relocated that very night. These are the humans who demanded entry to the city, sir. They claim they have business here, but won't tell us what it is, Remit explained. Is this true, human? Lexa asked. Yes. And if in you please, I'd like to get on with things. So, Lexa replied while walking around Uncle Shameless and Steve and examining the ragtag pair, I'm to believe that a human dressed in shabby tattered clothes, reeking of wine, and dragging a child along has classified business within the city? That's correct. Uncle Shameless lied without blinking. Lexa leaned down until the tip of his beak was mere inches from Uncle Shameless's face. His large hawk eyes stared deeply into Uncle Shameless's. Uncle Shameless returned the Birdman's iron stare without so much as a flinch. Very well, Lexa said eventually, as he rose to his full height. Let them in. This concludes today's episode of The Magic of Airy. Make sure to join us again next time. Why did Lexa let Steve and Uncle Shameless into the city? What will happen after they get inside? Will anyone ever buy Remit's earplugs and blindfolds? Find out in the next thrilling episode of The Magic of Airy. The Magic of Airy, the podcast. Written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan. Production and copyright date of this episode was May 26, 2009. and was produced in GarageBand and Audacity on a Mac. Some sound effects and music are provided by freesound.org. Other sound effects and music provided by GarageBand. For more information, please visit magicofairy.com. And remember, Airy is spelled E-Y-R-I. And as always, thanks for listening.